Hey everybody, Mr. Skullhead's not here quite yet, but uh, me and Hot Stuff are here with Graydon Schlichter, who uh, has both the coolest name and the coolest card game, and he's going to introduce himself and tell you about it. Hey everybody, I'm Graydon. Uh, I'm also Graydon in game, so if you've ever interacted with me, that's who that is. Uh, I'm here talking about Mr. Card Game, the officially licensed KOL uh, card game, which is currently uh, up on Kickstarter. Graydon, what is a card? Oh, uh, that's a great question. Uh, great question, Jake. A card is a small piece of material, uh, usually about two and a half uh, by three and a half inches on a side, and it's got images and words and stuff on it. And if you have enough of them, sometimes they make a game. Don't cool. you need a? Don't you need some sort of driver's license to operate one, though? Uh, no, actually, it turns out in both Arizona and California, you can operate a card without a license. Huh. Uh, I, I'm not sure about the rest of the state. Please check with a locally licensed attorney. Well, all right then. <laughs> cool. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot this was a thing where we took turns talking. Uh, yeah, give us, a, give us a basic overview of the game for people who aren't familiar with it. Sure. Uh, a couple of buzzwords for gamer types. Uh, it's a hybrid of deck building and tableau management uh, with a little bit of drafting thrown in. But if none of that means anything to you, uh, in KOL speak, you kill monsters, you get their loot, you get new stats or upgrade your stats, and then you become more powerful and uh, you use meat to train skills, and in the end, you go after the naughty sorceress, and you beat the crap out of her. It's been, it's been a couple months since I've played, and I don't know how much has changed uh, in those intervening uh, weeks, but um, I remember enjoying it a lot because I felt like there were several distinct strategies, like you could play as a mist class, try to get some spells and utensils, and like try to get really powerful attacks that way, or you could play as a muscle class and just get like weapons and pound on things. Uh, or you could play a Moxie class, which is a kind of in in Mr. Card Game comes out as like sort of like a defensive strategy uh, instead of plinking exactly. Or uh, there's also you can go offense as a Moxie class if you get like ranged weapons. Oh, and sure, that that's kind true. of stuff and a skill set that's targeted at that. Yeah, so it's basically what I'm saying is it's it's unbalanced <coughs> because uh, Moxie classes always win. No, I, I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but like it just it was it was neat that there was so many different ways to play and it aligned so well with KOL and I'm I'm sort of psyched how how well you guys seem to have captured the uh, just sort of the spirit of the game in in like sort of a totally different system set you know with the cards and like everything because it's just it doesn't map to the game exactly but then like just in no but it is like you're exploring zones yeah. and killing monsters and they're dropping stuff do you want to talk at all about the the sort of journey that uh, this thing has been on for the past year because the first version that we played was uh, very different. Oh yeah, okay. So uh, if we go back to the beginning of this, it was uh, late July of last year uh, on a 10 dozen minutes with Jick and Mr. Skullhead radio show that somebody uh, wrote in and said, hey, you guys, how come you don't have a card game? That'd be awesome. And uh, not to not to put words in your mouth, but to paraphrase, if I remember right, basically it was, yeah, we've got tons of irons and fires. We don't have people to do that right now. <laughs> And so I called up my buddy Rich, who's a game designer, and I said, this is a great property, uh, you should totally design a game uh, that is faithful to this property, but is, you know, fun to play and is a good card game. And he said, okay, let's get started. And so we went into about a month of really intensive design and development, um, hours a day, every day of, uh, in my case, bringing him up to speed on KOL, because he wasn't so familiar with it, and then finding ways to map the systems in KOL to a card game. Uh, and uh, I'll be completely honest, the first version we tried, so many numbers. Uh, and my playtesters halfway through the first round said, um, we, we'd like to, to stop now if that's okay. 
Um, and, you know, we took that criticism and we realized, yeah, this needs to be a whole lot simpler for it to be fun. And so uh, you guys wound up seeing at KOLCon uh, version 5 or version 6, That was I think. at KOLCon 8, right? Yes, yeah, okay. last year. That still had a lot of numbers in it. <laughs> it still did. Um, and the basic premise of that game was uh, everybody had a class. There, uh, there were six class decks mapping to the then six classes uh, commonly available in KOL. And you started with one, and you played your turn, and at the end of that turn, after you killed some monsters and got some meat, you uh, would then pick a skill to perm, and then you'd put that deck back and take one of the other decks that was available. It was sort of like a drafting mechanism. It was it was like the, the fundamental gameplay loop was the draft and not, not the... Uh... But it was the, the complicating part, I felt like, was the, the fact that you had to do a bunch of math to see what possible... Not math, but arithmetic, to, to see what your possible actions were, and... You know, a lot of it depended on like what cards you had available, and there were like three or four different things you could try in each any given round. And so you had to like, if you were playing optimally, you had to like keep a bunch of numbers in your head while you did a bunch of other math. And it was like it was less satisfying than it could have yeah. been. I felt like it was a thing that uh, hot stuff. You were really good at it, and I was really bad at it because you are actually patient and. We'll, we'll do all the and, math and smart. You'll do you'll do the math. Yeah, I just want to hit stuff with stuff, and this uh, this new version is much better about that. Yeah, in the end, we realized that while the core systems in that first version were interesting, uh, they didn't work super well for the math uh, that KOL brings to the table. And this new version still keeps a lot of KOLness, uh, I, I think, and most people have, have said, yay, yes, KOLness, without quite so much counting. Uh, yeah, it's it's really it's really solid. I feel yeah, like I, I feel like this version is more sort of faithful to the feeling of the source material than the, than the original ones. I, you know, it, because it was sort of like Ascension themed, like you were going through multiple Ascensions. And like to somebody who plays KOL, that's very much like what playing KOL is. It's like Ascend, try to do as much as you, you know, as much as you can, as fast as you can, perm the skill that's going to make you better at it the next time. But like to to me, like as a, as a just sort of a casual player of KOL, KOL is a game about going to places and hitting things with things, right? It's not like... The the first the first version was a very faithful adaptation of the meta game, um, but you know it's not a <clears throat> it's a meta game that our players are really familiar with. But it, I don't know that it like really I don't know that it's that easy to explain is another problem. Yeah, you, no, you're right. This this version people can sort of look at and pick it up <clears throat> a lot more quickly as and the the KOLness of the game. Uh, Helps it hooks in somebody who's familiar with the source material, and uh, so they can they can sort of see it that way. But even if you've never heard of KOL, the systems in this game make pretty good sense, and it's pretty easy to pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Kickstarter funded real fast. It sure did. Uh, I went to bed a few hours after the Kickstarter launched, and we were uh, a little over a third funded for the base goal. And I thought, oh, this is good. We we should not have any trouble uh, funding this in the next 25, 26 days, whatever we had. I woke up the next morning, and uh, we had already funded. And my uh, my design partner said, uh, we need some copy for those stretch goals that are coming, <laughs> because um, apparently we need to announce them now. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I was stoked. Yeah, it's super fantastic. We we expected a strong reaction from the KOL community, but e- even expecting a strong reaction, we were all sort of blindsided with, "Wow, this is awesome!" Have you um, have you actually seen the like back end tools of the Kickstarter campaign to see where people are getting to the 
the Kickstarter from because like I always find that pretty interesting like we would see spikes when like Rock Paper Shotgun did an article on the, the Word Realms Kickstarter and I was like oh wow like like a hundred people came and like decided to give us uh, to, you know, to pledge to the Kickstarter um, and like it was really neat to see those bumps happen in real time as things happen in the world and I was wondering if, if, if has everything been from KOL players or have there been other like in sources of, uh, of people pledging to, to the Kickstarter? Or? There have been a couple different sources. And I should, I should predicate this with, I haven't really had time to, to look at the, the back end the last couple of days because Khan has been uh, pretty all-consuming. But uh, so obviously the first day, uh, once the announcement went live on KOL, that was a pretty big bump uh, right by itself. But there were at least, I want to say, 12 or 15 different lines in the uh, Where Are People Coming From? So the Kingdom of Loathing forums was actually one, uh, separate from the Kingdom of Loathing, the announcement that you guys did, because some number of people had been following the forum thread for a couple of weeks uh, after the official announcement. Uh, there were, of course, there was some random, you know, uh, just random people who found it, people who frequent Kickstarter, people who frequent Kickstarter games. And we got, um, we were on the front page for Kickstarter games that first day, too, uh, and stuck around as a popular uh, a popular project. And so that obviously helps, too. I mean, you guys know that when you get featured that way, it's like, boom, uh, just a whole bunch more eyeballs get to see your thing. Yeah, and we, have, we have powerful allies at Kickstarter. <laughs> it, is, it is a good thing. <laughs> So yeah, I mean those are those are the biggest sources, and then Facebook actually funnels some because we we try to leverage Facebook a bit, um, and it may even be that Twitter is now on there because we've been leveraging Twitter the last couple of days to to get feedback from the people, especially the people who have seen various components of the game, you know, to get a sense of what they what they like that they've seen, what they might like to see coming out, and that kind of thing. Because KOL is huge, and I'm pretty sure that I will be dead long before I have run out of things to uh, adapt and model to Mr. Card Game. Uh, sooner than you think, actually. This room has been uh, silently filling up with a, with a noxious <laughs> and deadly gas. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, I don't know, you want to answer some of these, uh, these questions from the radio show? I do, but I want to do one oh, quick yes, plug first. Oh, yes, yeah, do it. Yeah, one quick plug first. So, um, in order to... Uh, to do something that we thought would be fun and cool. We have this special promotion as part of the Kickstarter that was uh, 10 Dozen Hours. I don't know where we got that title. Um, but the first 10 Dozen Hours promotion, which is basically five days. So at 7.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, which is also Arizona time currently. I think so, yeah. Uh, which is going to be a little later during this very podcast. Uh, that promotion ends. So if you are hearing about the card game for the first time and you think it sounds cool... Go check it out. And you're listening out. to this live. Oh, yes. And you're listening to this live. Uh, go check. Oh, wow. Yes. And you're listening to this live. Go check out the, the Kickstarter. It is called Mr. Card Game, and it's on kickstarter.com, and there is a link on the login page for KOL, and it's talked about in the forums. You should be able to find it. Um, but if it sounds cool, check it out, because uh, if you are... An, interested and excited about this, I don't want you to miss out on the extra bonus cards that come from the, the early backers, those first 10 dozen hours. Yeah, can you actually explain, uh, there's a bunch of people asking in the forums, uh, what? How, how does that work? What is that? Because I don't know myself. Oh, sure. So um, the first 10 dozen hours promotion is basically for people who back at the adventurer level, which is the $37 level, that's what gets you the game. Uh, you get 
uh, an extra set of cards. They are Mr. Store item cards. So if you know KOL, you know that Mr. Store items are the uh, the cool things, the shinies that people are always arguing about, about whether they're good enough or too good, and everybody wants more of them. Um, and they are also why KOL uh, gets to continue to exist and be the awesome thing that it is, because we live in a world that requires money. In Mr. Card Game, the it's a set of 12 cards that add an extra set of mechanics, which you probably won't use your first game. Play your first game and you know figure out what's going on. Uh, but then subsequent games, it's an extra layer of tactical choice. Uh, I guess I can go ahead and spoil the mechanic. Yeah, if you don't mind. Okay. I mean, did, are, are they... Uh, yeah, good, just tell us. Sure. <laughs> do, just do it. <laughs> so at the beginning of the game, each player will get a couple of these Mr. Store item cards dealt to them face down. And uh, everyone has a meat cost on it. And so when you can afford to buy one of yours, if you want to, you pay the meat and you flip it over and then you will have whatever benefits it gives you. Oh, so, so they're just, they're just pieces of gear. They're not like new encounters or drops from... Right. But they're okay. exclusive to you. Yeah. And nobody else knows which ones you have. And exactly. Thing. You do know what they are? Like yes. you you look at them and put the face... Okay. Neat. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And so... So that's cool. I mean, that might lead you to choose what class oh, you wanted yeah. to play or what approach you wanted to take and that's that's yeah that seems like a neat way to that's a really good way make that's that cool. not make that not just like a blind and also you know i'm assuming that they're probably split between different play styles something like evenly uh you know 12 that's that seems like a number that's divisible by six so here's here's actually a question is this something that that people if they don't get in on that Kickstarter early enough, is this something that will ever be available again, or is it only is it only for the people that back really early? So, no and yes. Um, which is to say that this set of 12 is an exclusive thank you to early Kickstarter backers. Okay. That's what it's intended to be. Um, there are more than 12 items of the month that you guys have created over the years, and so it is entirely possible that there will be, and in fact likely, I think, that there will be more of these that will come out later on. Like um, in a booster pack kind of thing, or and not and not like a, not like randomized booster pack or whatever. But I mean, like, could you imagine selling an additional set of twelve cards, or is it like a thing that sits in the? It, it yeah, it could be. It could be like a, a, a content pack or an expansion pack later on. Um, because we have so many ideas about things that we want to include in the game that are not going to be included in the base game, because then it would be really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of ideas about what might be coming down the pipe later. And a set of 12 cards that is just another set of Mr. Store items is relatively uh, low weight. And so that's something that could be bundled with other things in like a variety pack. Okay. Uh, or it could wind up being, you know, uh, we also <coughs> you know, plan on attending future conventions uh, with the game, not just uh, KOLCon, but also places like Gen Con and San Diego Comic Con. And, you know, those people who attend those conventions have sort of come to expect free swag from sure. their favorite folks. And so that's something that we want to be able to do too. So there might be promotional cards that are available at conventions. You can do that Thunderstone thing where you just go to a website and type your name and address and then they mail you a card nine months later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those I. By the time I got those cards, I had mostly stopped playing Thunderstone. Yeah, me too. But yeah, I still it? appreciated the Yeah, film. no, I was like, oh, cool card. I don't even think I put it in the box. I think it's still sitting on my desk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So don't do that. Don't. I was kidding when I said you should do that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, no, we won't do that. We'll do something else. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, uh, we weren't sure whether we were going to talk about this or not, but uh, Play Havoc, as always, has made, uh, made my decision for me. Uh, he says, what things in KOL the game will I get if I spend money on this? Will the things be tradable so that I can get them even if I do not or cannot spend money on the Kickstarter? Uh, is the game things I could get cool enough to warrant getting them, and what will they do? 
Yeah, so that's, uh, I think that we're okay to reveal this uh, aspect of it, right? There, there will be uh, like a, basically the equivalent of like a Comic-Con souvenir thing inside yeah. it. Um, so like a Comic-Con souvenir, no, it won't be tradable. So there's no reason to buy more than one of these except, you know, to give, give them as gifts. Of course, I mean, you should buy as many, <laughs> as many as your disposable income allows you to do. Um, I don't think we know what it is, no. yet, right? Yeah. So it's just, like, it, it will be, like, it'll, it will be something along the lines of, like, the KOL con souvenir items, not the ones that we sell, but, like, this is, you know, the, the, the KOL con IV bag or whatever. Slightly right? more, it's probably slightly more interesting than the uh, packing peanuts that were in the Feelies packs. Yeah. I, yeah, because I guess those those weren't even gear, right? Like those didn't do anything. anything. Yeah. yeah. So if you didn't, if you don't feel like your uh, your your completionist urges are totally waylaid by not making us make new feely packs so that you can get the display case fodder thing, then this is, you know, we didn't we didn't talk about it because we didn't want that to seem like an important selling point of it because it really it's just a, it's a fun. No, it's a fun little bonus. You know, it's not. It's it like if you were a serious KOL player, this is probably not going to be something that you will use in in serious play. You'll put it in your display case, and people will say, "Hey, that guy bought a thing <laughs> from some dudes in the internet." And so, but to answer the other questions, that's that's just going to be in every box that comes out. It's- yeah. So it it doesn't have anything to do with the Kickstarter. Um, we we sort of specifically like, I I was worried about the idea of using like KOL bait in the in the Kickstarter with Word Realms it was different because that was us you know but this is this is an independent venture I mean this is a licensed thing so um, yeah you know we just went went that direction with it uh, all right uh, play habit continues he asked some questions that we already uh, answered sort of uh, it's yeah it's not uh, not trading card gamey not not CCG not what's LCG uh, LCG is living card games that's what fantasy flight calls their you buy a, you buy the base box, and then every couple of I guess every month they sell a box that is forty cards, ten ten cards that are one copy each, and ten cards that are three copies each. And it's uh, this is their model for taking a game that is playable out of the box as a deck uh, as a like a magic style deck builder where you build your own deck and then start playing. Okay. But keeping it under control so you're not buying hundreds of booster packs and making right. yourself crazy. But you're also not just buying the game once and then not giving them all the rest of your money for the rest of their life. Right. Well, so I do actually. When I buy the living card games, I just buy the base box to play the experience because I don't have time to go through all the madness of deck building anyway. If you got a, if you got something that you were super super into, I could imagine, but it's like, yeah, you know, when you make games you play a game to understand it, right? Not necessarily to be like, oh, I need to really just wring every last bit of fun out of this. It's more just like, how does this work? What can I learn from this? It's yeah. a curse. Yeah, well, and also because there's, uh, to modernly, games are coming out so fast. There's so many publishers that it's like, well, I could play this game 40 times and each time, you know, get a little bit of more fun out of it. Or I could play 40 different games, each of which is going to be a relatively fresh experience and it's just going to bowl me over with all the good stuff. I mean, you kind of have to. <laughs> play Havoc continues. Will there be an online version to play? So, um, not currently on the drawing boards, but not completely. Well, eh. I mean, it's probably one of those things where it's like, that is obviously a cool idea. And we'll see. Yeah, I, what I think that's the with, best way to put that. Uh, will there be official tournaments with prizes? Um, on a national scale, probably not. But oh, no DCI. 
<laughs> not yet. Although I know a guy at Wizards. Um, but I, mean, I know an actual wizard. <laughs> Crap. Uh, but yeah, if you are at a, uh, a convention that we are at, it's entirely possible that we'll be running some tournaments, and uh, there may be cool prizes. Uh, how much testing was involved? Okay, so this is a great question. Um, as we sort of alluded to, we had an intensive month in the first version, and then it's been a solid year, pretty much, <clears throat> of playing, redesigning, tearing things apart, putting them back together. Uh, I think I've We've got something like 15 or 20 playtesters, not including uh, people at Evertide Games like myself or people at Asymmetric like you guys. Uh, these are people who just, you know, love games and love playtesting. And in some cases, love KOL. And specifically, we're like, you have to let me playtest your KOL game. <laughs> um, and I said, sure. So uh, if I was to try and guess, let's see. Uh, let's just say lots of hundreds of hours. Um, also, the early versions of the game played a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you figure five people in a two-hour game, uh, that one game is ten hours, uh, and there were a lot of those. And I mean, we've, we've probably played 15 or 20 games of it just on, just the, you know, in our circle of people over here at Asymmetric. So. Yeah, I mean, we got five or six runs through it just in, like, the marginal amount of spare time we had at Comic-Con right. this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we've had we've had a, a somewhat out of date, and I'm assuming you know rapidly more and more out of date with every passing day uh, prototype in our hands for quite a while. Yeah, um, I carried it to DragonCon, and we didn't end up playing it at DragonCon because we got excited by other things. Shinies. Oh, hey, speaking of things that have changed, I don't, uh, Kevin, you may have noticed this when you were looking at the car. Uh, I'm sorry, hot stuff. <sighs> Spoiler! So sorry. Yeah, you guys may have noticed this when you were looking at the cards uh, over the course of this weekend, but if you hadn't, there has been a very subtle change, which is uh, monsters now specifically identify the stat that they award you when you beat mm. them, rather than choosing from a particular numerical value. Mm -hmm. So now when you're going after a monster, it's actually the combination of which stat do they give you, what loot do they drop, and also how much meat it is. Mm. So, and it's been kind of neat to see people go, oh, well, I'm pursuing a mysticality strategy, so I'm going to go after this guy who drops uh, a big uh, mist stat bonus, even though this other guy has some cool loot that I might want, because I think the mysticality is more important. So it's, it's been fun to watch people making those decisions. <laughs> uh, let's see. Will you be upset when someone makes this into a lack CCG plugin? Uh, Will no. you know what that is? Uh, I, I do. Uh, I think he means lackey. Uh, Lackey CCG, which is a, a client that you can use to model card games. Um, I won't be sad for two reasons. Um, one is because as a designer, I am happy when people are playing my game and enjoying it. Even if, you know, I'm not seeing any money out of it, that's not the end of the world. But the other reason that I'm not sad is because I have tried to play games on Lackey and it makes me crazy. And so I, I'm not worried about too many people choosing to prefer Lackey to the actual physical card game. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's you know, with this kind of thing, it seems like really the easiest thing to do is just buy it and play it, right? If if you want it, like, I mean, you could probably also just take somebody else's and photocopy all the cards <laughs> and then cut yep. them out and play with that. Yep. Uh, once once it's totally spoiled and you and everybody knows what the cards are, you can make your own <laughs> copy at home. I can't stop you. You could uh, you could draw with a sharpie <laughs> an image of each card on individual slices of bologna. <laughs> And then you could play it, and then you could eat. It would be delicious. Yeah, the sharpie would really bring out mm -hmm. the bring out that like sort of acrid 
petroleum smell. This yeah. is maybe a way better idea than manufacturing this game. Well, we're gonna have to talk after the right. podcast. Yeah, there's a thing here. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if the Kickstarter crowd would be happy or sad uh, if you said, "Oh, by the way, we've decided to print it all on slices of bologna." Yeah, they <laughs> changed. They changed the rules. Did you have to fill out the uh, ri- the risks and challenges section? I think you got in just before it. Yeah. Uh, so you didn't have to. You didn't have to characterize the challenges associated with printing 400 cards on baloney and then shipping it to people before it's spoiled <laughs> you'd almost think that would be self-evident really mm. uh, blister guy says tell us about your other games and what inspired you to get into the game making business oh sure um so evertide uh as a game company has three other titles uh that you can currently purchase uh one is called straw it's a pretty simple uh, pretty simple numerical game where there's a camel in the middle and as we all know it is a straw that broke the camel's back but in the meantime players take turns throwing cards down on it uh, increasing or decreasing the weight and if you can get it to exactly 40 pounds and then add the straw you break the camel's back and you win very simple game uh, great for uh, playing with people who are not necessarily uh, super hyper intense gamer types or sober <laughs> also or so, as long as one person is sober to double check math or, you know, you can do math unsober. Um, so there's that one. There's also Court of the Medici, which is a great two-player uh, sort of court intrigue game uh, that I really like, actually. And and it was designed by Rich. All three of these were actually designed by my design partner, uh, Rich James, who is also the uh, founder and CEO of, of Evertide. And also Aphex Twin, right? I, I don't think that's, that's probably not the same Rich James. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Court of the Medici, it's uh, you're, you're laying down cards and you're assassinating each other's nobles. Uh, it's it's a really fun little little thing. And then the third one is called Lords of Scotland, which basically takes the Scottish Highland clans and uh, turns it into sort of a, a, a set melding poker game almost where you're playing cards and activating special powers if you've played three dragon ante it's sort of a cross between uh, poker and three dragon ante maybe with a little bit of like rummy card melding uh mixed in and i have that one actually here in mesa so we might try that later if you guys want um what got me into game design me specifically was actually this project when i approached rich uh before that i'd done some rpg work uh, but most of my tabletop like board and card gaming was just hacking games, like finding things about games that I wasn't happy with and nudging them, hmm. um, which is a great way to get started because it gives you a lot of, especially when you do something horribly, horribly wrong and you you wind up breaking the game completely, you realize, oh, there was a reason that worked the way it did. Um, so it's a great way to sort of just cut your teeth if you're curious about how game design works. Just try stuff and then see how dismally it fails. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Nips asks a bunch of good questions here. Uh, as a person interested in tabletop game publication, can y'all go into the process of getting the final product published? I'm curious about the methods you're using for card layout, what the manufacturer actually receives from you, that whole process, yada yada. And what manufacturer are you using? Okay, so um, the short version is uh, card layout happens in a couple of steps for us. First, you know, we need to figure out what the game is and create a spoiler list. And for that, we usually use Google Docs just because it's easy to collaborate with. Once we've got an idea of what all the elements are that are going to go on the cards, um, uh, then we need to figure out a layout. And oftentimes we do that in uh, either Adobe or InDesign. These are a couple of, of software packages that, that will allow you to manipulate images um, and get uh, get at least a basic... Uh, playable version of the card. And that's what we play test with, and that's what we've been using for most of the last year. 
Do you do you make individual images for all of them, or do you have, or does it have some sort of templating where if you decided like uh, I want the meat icons to be bigger on all of these, you can do it all at once, or do you have to actually drag the new icon onto every single card? So it's an interesting question. Uh, there is supposed to be some templating and automation. It seems like every time we are in a situation where we just need to adjust something and we try to use the templating, it breaks in some way. <laughs> yeah, so it's fast. It's just faster to do it individually. It Yeah, it winds up. Then you know what you're doing, and you know that when you're done with a card, you're done with a card. So, um, uh, yeah, that's the short answer there. Once we have the upgraded graphic design, like the, the graphic design that is going to be on the actual cards that go out, uh, then we move to Photoshop, and that's where uh, Rich has been card by card creating the the layers of each uh, Photoshop card. And those individual uh, individual PDFs of each of those cards is what we then send to the manufacturer who is going to print it for us, um, along with detailed instructions about uh, which fronts go with which backs. Because uh, with Mr. Card Game, right, every monster is a monster on one side, and on the reverse is the loot that the monster drops. All right. So... I'm I'm I've been having nightmares for weeks about it coming back and you know the plastered frat orc is dropping the the uh ancient ice cream scoop and you know the tomb rat is is dropping the probability potion and no and that would be super screwy too because the monster it has a thing on the front that it shows you what the back of the card is so if there was a mismatch it wouldn't just it wouldn't be a thing that it would you would definitely notice if yeah. that got messed up. Yeah, you couldn't just sort of hand wave it and be like, "No, we decided to move things around." Because yeah, because on the front of the card there's a tiny image of the thing that's on the back and big. So, um, let's see. How much of that question? Did I answer most of that question? Uh, you got up to a PDF that you sent to the card printer. Okay. Um, I'm what I'm curious about is like b- boxing. Like uh, what is a heavyweight? What is a bantamweight? Uh, <laughs> how do you get uh, like do, do you uh, Right, so when you buy a card game, sometimes it's just some shrink-wrapped cards in a box, and you're like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> and then sometimes there's like a plastic thing, there's a plastic insert that lets you organize the cards. Uh, is that a thing that there is going to be in this, and how? That is an excellent question. So um, the at the most basic level, like if the, if the game had just hit 15 grand and we were done, then it would have been basically a bunch of packs of shrink-wrapped cards in a smallish box. Uh, because that's what we would have been able to afford to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we hit the forty-five, 000, yeah, the forty-five thousand dollar stretch goal was a bigger, uh, better box with a deck builder style insert and dividers. So now, when you get it, it should be super easy to keep organized. And, okay, you know, I guess using dividers, there's probably just some standard thing that you can say make the insert that looks like this. Like as opposed to having to individualize it, it's just make them this length and they're, you know, the size of a card. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's right. I didn't actually have to, fortunately, because I wouldn't know where to start, mock up the the molded insert. Um, But yeah, it can't be be that difficult because it's now something that games do. And in fact, uh, there's a... Oh, it was a game that was also kickstarted uh, called uh, Lasan or something like that. Had the most elaborate... Uh, plastic insert I'd ever seen. The guy custom designed it and it fit all of his pieces and components so well that you had to know exactly how to put stuff away or you could never <laughs> get the stuff back in. It's like a bonus jigsaw puzzle. That was <laughs> exactly. one of the stretch goals. Yep, game two. <laughs> 
Uh, so Nips continues. It appears that your art assets are a mixture of up-res KOL art and original creations. How much of the art did Jick and Company have to provide to you? How much tweaking did it need to work on the printed cards? Well, uh, we we did our normal upresing for uh, print. Uh, it didn't take me all that long, although I feel like there were some things that I had to redraw at a larger size. There's familiars, which I don't even know if, if they're in this version. Uh, stay tuned for familiars. Yeah, yeah. we did. So, we so did some they, some they of the excise. most most of the original art was from the previous version of the game. Um, this one, you know, it I like. I had to spend a few hours, and then and then Hot Stuff had to spend a f- bunch more hours, like just sort of manually editing things the way that we would. But I just I, if we were upsizing something for print on one of our things, it would be like one thing, uh, as opposed to like oh, give me these you know two hundred items or whatever. And so I did that, and then just handed it to him rather than looking at each individual one and agonizing over individual pixels to make sure the the. Uh, art looks correct um he says what are your feelings on the dissonance between the kol art and the card art you've created judging from the kickstarter page there's a noticeable difference in the styles and i could see some people's perceptions being jarred trying to reconcile the two styles in the same card uh, did you consider a card art style more in line with kol art at any point you know i actually really like the way that that turned out um I, the shadow is a is a nice touch for making it seem like oh, okay there's a reason for like this is a cool looking thing that is showing you a representation of something that is in KOL's art style. Um, I think it's harder than you think to come up with something that actually looks like a real thing as far as a card. I mean, what I would guess call an interface element. If the, you know, if cards were computers uh, that, that looks like KOL style that doesn't just sort of look like garbage. Right. Because like when I tried when I like say those of you who are at con, look at the border on your certificate of participation. That looks like crap because drawing (laughs) drawing that is a totally different skill set than drawing a a stick figure or a little monster or whatever. And it's I just don't have the foggiest idea of how you go about making something like that look at all reasonable. And I think with with the style that you guys have used, it's there's all sorts of design knowledge and skill that can be brought to bear on that that people already have and have spent a lot of time working on. And so I don't know. I personally don't think that I, I think once you see the cards, it, it somebody who is not familiar with KOL's art is not going to think that it's super weird. Yeah. And I mean, I'll, I'll jump in and say that the, the playtest prototypey kind of cards that we've been using for the, the most of the last year had very little uh, graphic design to it and very little imagery in it other than uh, Jick's artwork. And, we did get some feedback that, you know, while KOL is cool in large part because of, you know, that artwork, that as a card game, it doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't satisfy, I guess, modern appetites. And so that's why we explored this other graphic design angle, which, you know, I'm really happy about how it preserves the art. Uh, the white fill in all of the images that really makes the, the stick figures yeah. pop. Yeah. I think it's I think it's really great, and I and actually I should say I was really reluctant to go down this road. Uh, Rich had to sort of persuade me that it was worth uh, worth looking into this more complex graphic design. Uh, but I got to give it to him. Uh, in the end, I'm I'm really happy with how it looks. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. Uh, Saint Doodle writes, and this is a question I'm actually kind of curious about too because I don't. Well, we did try this once. Uh, the site says with uh, with one copy of the game, two to four people can play. My question is, is this one of those games you can technically play with two people, but you really want three or four for it to play smoothly, or a game that actually works for two people? I desperately need some more quick and fun games for two players, so I'd love to know. It was definitely fun when we played two-player games. I don't know that I would 
characterize it as a quick game. Um, it depends on how familiar you are you are with it. I, think. I mean, when once we, and I remember were... us playing a two player game to just sort of test out, like I'm going to try this strategy, you try this strategy, and we'll see. Right. You know, like just sort of trying to maybe settle an argument about whether one particular approach was unbalanced or not. Um, and I don't, I, I, I can't remember how long it took. There, but there are also some things that you could, I mean, even just as a house rule, if you want a short game, you just the. At least in the versions that we were playing, you could just give the naughty sorcerers fewer hit points. Yeah, that was sort of like, and that was like a, a way to shorten the game without it really impacting the strategic. Yeah, how, did it. that end up making it into the final draft of the design? Are there are there multiple copies of the sorceress in there that have fewer hit points for shorter or longer, fewer or more people? Yeah, she's she's double sided. So, um, she, uh, well, you know, double sided for no, you know what. Not going to follow up that joke. <laughs> uh, the card is double sided, so she's got twenty hit points on one side and twenty five on the other. And uh, twenty is—I strongly recommend that if it's your first game, because it will take plenty long enough to play through your first game. Because you're looking at all the cards, there's stuff to read, uh, there are jokes that if you're a KOL fan, you're going to want to reminisce over for a minute, and if you're uh, new to KOL, you're going to laugh uproariously because it's the greatest thing ever. And how did you not already know about this wonderful thing? So. So um, she's got those those two values right out of the box. And what's interesting is those five points can actually make a huge difference because your hand size doesn't change dramatically over the course of the game. And so while you get better stats, um, you're not because you're not necessarily expanding your hand size all that much. Getting that extra five points can make a huge difference. Um, and so uh, so there's that. As far as a two player game, uh, well, let me actually flip this. Four-player games with my playtest groups who were people of varying hobby skill and also various varying skill with this game because not everybody was always available at the same time. Um, those were consistently coming in at an hour or less uh, hmm. towards the end of, of the, the development cycle on this current version. So I would imagine, although I haven't played a ton of two-player games myself, that if you had two people who were reasonably familiar with the game, like had played two or three games, that you should be able to get a two-player game in in 45 minutes or less. Right. I guess that's quick for certain definitions of quick. Yeah, and it might even be faster than that, but the one pet peeve of mine is when you buy a game that says 60 to 90 minutes and it's a four-hour game. Mm -hmm. And even if it's a great four hours, I'm still cranky that their estimate was way off. I'm looking at you, Order of the Stick game. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm, I am pretty sure that our first game of that, which was the Quick Rules, took nine hours. Yeah. I only ever played it once and we didn't finish for that yeah, reason. We, I only ever played it once and it's, it's still not over. Yes. So technically that game has been going on for three and a half years. WVO Quine says, uh, he's asked some things that have already been covered, but he says, one, uh, any chance we'll be able to get the character boards in the fabric map after the Kickstarter is done? I know you want to get the Kickstarter going, but these seem like items I might want to purchase only once I see what they're like. Uh, and for that matter, what are character boards? I don't really understand these rewards at all. Can you describe them? I sure can. Um, so two things. Let me. I'll answer the first part first, which is I believe we want to keep these as Kickstarter exclusives because uh, the people who are backing the Kickstarter are the ones who are making this possible. Um, but uh, we're going to get images up on the Kickstarter so that you can see those things. So if you are 
interested in the game but not sure about the character boards and the map yet, uh, don't worry about it. You can back the game at the game level, wait for us to post the images of these things, and then you can decide for yourself whether you want them. Um, and it's totally fine either way. I've had people tell me, I just want the game. I've had people tell me, I want everything. In fact, make more things so that I can get more things. So, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other. As far as what these things are, um, the character boards are basically a place... First of all, if you get them, you get six of them, which means that you get all six uh, character avatars for the six classes in KOL. Um, they're going to have uh, some unique imagery on them for the starting equipment that the classes get, which is different than the generic starting equipment that you get in, uh, that Mr. Adventure, or sorry, that Mr. Card Game gets in Mr. Card Game. Uh, and also, there are slots for on the character board for the different pieces of equipment. So in this game, unsurprisingly, you can only wear one hat, you can only wear one pair of pants, and you can only wield one weapon at a time. And so the character board will have slots on there so that it's really obvious for everybody at the table what you've got equipped from time to time. How big are the, how big are the boards? Do the, do the cards go on it or like under it or whatever? On it. Uh, it's basically, <clears throat> hey, this will be great for the podcast. I'm going to hold my fingers up and draw a shape in the air, and it's okay. about that big. So about like a little more than half a sheet of paper sized? Yeah, or, yeah. Okay. The idea is that it's larger than um, than the cards would be laid out side by side so that it doesn't feel cramped, and okay. then there's still space for the, for the avatar image. Um, and then the map uh, is basically a playing surface. So if you didn't already know this, the way the game plays is there are nine monster locations. Um, the first floor of Spooky Raven, the nearby plains, the distant woods, and so on. These, these are familiar to you if you're a KOL listener, uh, and if you're not, um, then you'll figure it out when you see it. But anyway, the cloth map has spaces for these stacks, and it's just it's a it's a neat little extra playing surfacey thing for you, where you can put the stacks of cards and you know give it that extra layer of verisimilitude because it's a map. I'm excited to see a cloth map. Yeah, that's why too. I funded the thing. Yeah. I figured there was no way I'd be able to talk you into giving me one of those cloth maps if I didn't back it. I don't even know if I get a cloth map. I need to check my contract. <laughs> uh, well, we have time for a couple more of these. Um, and this, this I think, is a, is, a, is a decent question from Waterclip. Uh, how necessary is it for people to be familiar with KOL to play? Uh, the people I play games with don't play KOL. I think they would like this game. Have you tested it on people unfamiliar with KOL, and how did they respond? Does it still make sense to them? Uh, yes, it's a great question, and the answer is most of my playtesters were somewhere between unfamiliar with KOL and what's KOL. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, I had a couple of people who were very familiar with KOL uh, that I had playtested specifically to make sure that it would feel right to KOLers. But every system in the game is designed to play well as a, as a game system, as a mechanical system, if you don't know anything about KOL whatsoever, it's just going to be a matter of learning some terminology, right? So in KOL, currency is meat. So in this game, the currency is meat. But that's not a tough concept to wrap your head around. Yeah, that takes, that takes like, I'm guessing a sentence, uh, and then you're done. Yeah, and I have not had anybody, aside from people asking about the humor specifically, oh, why is there a procrastination giant here? Which leads to a great conversation anyway. Um, there hasn't been any sort of, these rules don't make sense. Oh, well, we have to do that because that's how KOL works. Uh, it's... Like we said earlier, I feel like the, the initial version was far more tied into some of the more arcane aspects of, uh, of KOL yep. than, than this one is. And this is just like, I mean, it's... Yeah. 
I guess it's kind of video gamey as a card game, you know, just in terms of like put, putting on a sword and killing a monster. I guess that's more like a pen and paper role playing game. Yeah. Yeah. It's game. an adventure game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. And then one last one from him, and then we'll, uh, we'll let you go. Uh, go. You got more demoing of the Mr. Card game to do for our, uh, our uh, eager eager con attendees uh you mentioned the kickstarter would tell you how large to make the first print run does that mean that you will only print for the kickstarter and if we wanted to order uh, more we have to wait until the next print run how would we find out about that i'm guessing or i guess i'm asking about distribution and supply especially internationally oh that's a great question it's a little complicated but the the simplest way to say that is this um ideally the kickstarter will allow for uh printing more copies than we need simply to satisfy the Kickstarter. Because uh, ideally, we do want the game to still be available. Um, I am not the numbers guy, so I can't tell you exactly what the framework of, well, if we if we have X number of Kickstarter copies, that will allow us to produce Y number additional copies that could then be distributed. Um, we don't have any deals with uh, game distributors uh, at the present time, and mostly that's a financial decision. Uh, Distributors take, depending on the distributor, somewhere between 40 and 60% of the MSRP. Um, and so for the time being, because we want to keep the price as low as possible, we're, we're staying away from distributors. Um, but uh, that doesn't mean that we won't be able to fulfill, even internationally, although uh, international shipping will still be an issue. We're selling, I mean, we're going to be selling it in the asymmetric store. That's the, I mean, too, that's the right. Plan, so yeah, and then so I mean, you, you'll you'll definitely know where to find it, and there will there will be copies for sale once it is a real game, right? It's I don't think I don't think that there is any there is no formula for that x and y that is just x equals y. No, like, because otherwise, then that means that you guys are not making any money by selling the game, and that's I don't I don't think that you would <laughs> write up a plan like that. So I mean, it's certainly true that if in the grand scheme of things we knew that we could only sell X number, but we could sell X number without losing money, then we probably would have gone through this process anyway, just so that it would exist uh, out in the world for people to play. But yeah, the the goal is for this to be an ongoing living game that people uh, continue to buy, continue to play, continue to have fun with, and continue to give us feedback. Oh. Which reminds me the other thing I was supposed to say, but it's not too late. Mm-hmm. Um, the Not the current stretch goal, or maybe the current stretch. Yeah, you have stre- no idea, right? Oh, that's true. Okay, so assuming we have not yet broken 60000 No, let's assume we have. Assume we have broken the $60,000 stretch goal by the time you're listening to this. If that's true, that means we have put up a poll, or will very soon put up a poll on Facebook, the Evertide Games uh, Facebook page soliciting your feedback and input into what the next stretch goal should be. So, uh, if that has happened, give us that feedback so that we know what you want us to continue uh, adding to the game. Because otherwise, we will just add the things that we want, and we want to add the things that you want. I'm I'm afraid that our time-traveling audience is going to outsmart you here. (sighs) Um... Fortunately, I believe by the time this airs, my TARDIS will be fully repaired, and if necessary, I can intercept them. Okay. Well, hey, thanks for uh, being our very first interview ever. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. After listening to the podcast for a couple of years, it's awesome to be here. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, everybody, go find the Kickstarter at kickstarter.com. 
right? That's yeah. where, where they keep it. And then <laughs> search for... Dot, dot kickstart. No, wait. <laughs> shit. Sorry. Uh, so, yeah. Or you can go to the front page of KOL. I know you know where that is. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, Graydon. Thanks, guys. See you around. Mr. Skullhead, you're in my house. Jake, I'm in your house. It's it's pretty sweet. I'm in the Hall of Lego. I'm uh, Lego. and I'm I'm dewy with the thrill of just having crushed my previous Solar Fox record. Yeah, you you almost tripled your previous Solar Fox. Yeah, record. Rachel. Rachel came up and said, "Hey, Zach, I bet you can't beat my high score." And I said, "What's your high score?" And she said, "Eighteen thousand. And since my previous best was ninety-seven thousand, I said, "I bet I can." But then I learned a trick and got like two hundred and thirty-nine thousand. So what is that? The goal of that game? It looked kind of like freeform Pac-Man. Almost. Yeah, it's sort of like it's kind of like space Pac-Man. Yeah. Uh, there's no maze. There's just think there are uh, fusors are the dots. Okay. Uh, and you uh, you know you collect them, but you can you can run into them or shoot them. Uh, and then there are like these things that slide along the walls on the outside that shoot little torpedoes at you, uh, kind of on the grid of the huh. dots, but not not quite. Huh. I wonder how they pulled that off. Yeah, mm. the miracle of the miracle of 1981 math. Right. Um, yeah, it was a fun game. It's pretty good. Uh, we got a bunch of people here playing some board games and stuff. I, I went to bed at 5:30 after going to a fun party where you guys, uh, not you guys, you weren't out there for you weren't <laughs> one of the responsible parties for uh, the spectacular display of pyrotechnics in which the deposit we put in on that place probably burned up. That was pretty yeah. Well, they. So the house that we were staying at for KWellCon had a propane-powered outdoor fire pit and wasn't immediately clear how to ignite it or what to do, like how much gas was coming out or if any was coming out, it seemed like. Yeah, I don't so know. So they just turned it on and then, okay, we finally got the gas going. Let's find something to light this with. And I think that search took far longer than they were expecting. <laughs> right. And so when they lit it, it was just this immense fireball that I don't think hurt anybody, but it definitely no. burned some of the flimsy plastic fence around the pool. Yeah. I wonder if we should just go to a pool supply store and see if we can buy like two sections of that because it's modular. Is it? Yeah. Is it just like a thing that? Yeah. Just. I mean, it, like I feel like if that's between. the if that's the case, we can just tell them about it and say like, hey, this thing happened. Here's a place that we could buy it. Or you could just take that much out of the deposit, right? Or whatever. Like we didn't, we we had some strangers over at the house. I had no idea who anybody at that party was until. Well, I mean, I guess I knew. Okay, I shouldn't say that because I knew who most of you guys were. Right, just the people who came I, with. Black there were Lotus. yeah, there were a bunch of people there that I had no idea who they were. Were they like? Were they KOL players? Were they locals? Were they? Uh, they were groupies. Um, the guy was. Um. Uh, used to be Brandon's little brother in the like big brother little brother oh, program. Oh, okay. Now it, it all makes sense because he told me about that. He brought a couple of underage skanks with him. Oh, good. No, he, he couldn't have brought them. He's no because they with kids. Yeah, they disappeared. Uh, they disappeared independently of him uh, much much later. I had no idea who. Yeah, they there were. are three. There were three women there that I had no idea. Sturgis was maybe met them outside of Monsterland. Oh, good. Last night. And invited them over. Um, so that's cool. It, that was more your hey, you speed. Wanna, you guys want to watch us blow up a really nice house? <laughs> that was more your speed than the previous night's party. I was slightly concerned that it was going to be the same as as the previous night with uh, someone who will be unnamed, who was a little bit tipsy, going around removing people's bathing suits. 
Oh. And lots of the, the nudity and debauchery that you crave at a party. Oh, yeah. That's but, all. Uh, this I, one turned out to be uh, all talk and less rock. And that's stuff. all I want is everybody being naked. At, uh, and, yeah. you know, just around a bunch of people who aren't naked. That's yeah. the thing. It's the it's the it's the propriety of it. It's just the, it's the perfect mm. reasonableness of the behavior that uh, makes it so, right, so fulfilling if, to if, me. If for some reason you were shocked by that, you would be the unreasonable one. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, everybody's naked underneath their clothes. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm ever shocked by it. I'm just like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Guess we're doing just that again. Grit your teeth and <laughs> yep. Like, this is a different stripe of nerd than than I. Am. Yeah. Anyway, Khan was fucking great. Yeah. That turned out even better than expected. I think we built on last year in a really cool way, and just took the things that worked and made them bigger. Yep. And had. Cornish pasties at the barbecue, and that was excellent. Yeah, were you happy with that? Yeah, that I was wasn't awesome. sure because I knew you were wa- so well. Good. You you liked Famous Dave's more than you ever liked Joe's yeah. barbecue. I got nothing but really good feedback about it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think all other things being equal, I would probably. It was quite a bit more expensive, but mm. like I think you just pay for quality. It's pretty funny. The uh, I don't think they do a lot of catering. Yeah, and I think when when uh, Hot Stuff asked, like he asked like three different people about catering, and one of them was like, "No, we don't cater," and one <laughs> of them was like, "Yeah, we cater," and the other one was like, "Sure, let yeah, we'll cater something for you." So one of them lies, one of them tells the truth, <laughs> yeah, and one of them is an optimist, yeah. Uh, but the invoice, the invoice that he got was just a like four hundred item cash register. Like they just rung up, <laughs> they rung up every single food item individually. Oh man! Which so is they didn't give us a break. They did. They okay. gave us. A, they gave us a break on it off of the off of the basic price. The, their their food is pretty cheap for how yeah. good it is. If you if you go in there, yeah. you know. And I mean, it's all just it's all simple stuff. You know. Now you got me thinking. After we record this, I'm going to go in there and get some. No, yeah, yeah, get some pasties. Yeah, you're in town for a few more days. Uh, yep, hang out a bit. A couple more. Yeah, yeah, we will definitely go to the pasty. I'm gonna probably go to go to the old Four Peaks Brewery one of these nights. I haven't been to the brewery. That's mm, good. I, I have been been to the Brucaria, but it turns out that's, that's the place a, where a wizard yeah. parlor, <laughs> the wizardry. Uh yeah, the casino night went really well. Yep, I. Uh, Failed to lose at blackjack spectacularly. Tell when them. I wanted to. Well, by the by, like you know, halfway through, I was kind of done tabling. So like, I'll just get rid of my chips. So I bet a hundred and blackjack, and so just let that three hundred ride blackjack. Right on. I think I ended up just handing them to somebody who was collecting for something. And that's how it happens when you make some money at blackjack. You like. I always bet really conservatively, and then when I win, I just increase the bet because mm-hmm. it's like I'm just betting some of that winnings, you know? Because like yeah. losing this will put me still better than break even, yeah. and so I keep doing that. And every once in a while, you're gonna win 15 hands in a row, just statistically, probably. So maybe. what you do is every time you lose, you double your bet. Yeah, every time you lose, you double your bet. You can't cannot fail. Um, yeah, I just played craps the whole time, and mm. uh, I don't know, I won some, and then some random people handed me chips, and then I got a voucher, and I just gave it to somebody else. Rockstar Adam Dunn said that, uh, Hollywood Adam Dunn, as we say, mm-hmm. said that uh, he went over to the craps table, and Clackling was telling him how to do it, and he was he did it just, well, okay, but I'm just going to put these over here, and managed to win super big. Nice, good. Beginner's luck. Mm. Craps is neat. Um you know, I mean, it's just a bunch of, like, the way that you can figure out what the odds are of a certain thing happening is you look at how much it pays, and they're just a little bit less than that. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that's what it is. 
Uh, so yeah. do you, how many turns does somebody shoot? Uh, well, it, it is extremely variable. And that's, oh. and that's why you get a lot of people happy and set. You get a lot of choruses of, uh, of, ah, uh, or yeah, coming out of a craps table. Right. It's because somebody can be on a roll and, you know, just win people 10 times in a row by just throwing sevens on their, on their come out roll. Or they can, you know, get a point that they're trying to make and then roll 40 times before they either get it or crap out. So oh. it can just go on and on and on. And you know, you roll till you lose. And sometimes you go a long time without losing. So yeah, it's really play around with that later. I only got, uh, I only got to throw the dice once, but I think that's partly because I when it got to be my turn. The second time I went out to get some of that uh, barbecue truck, I guess that worked out pretty well. That, that was, stuff was really that was good. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was sight unseen. All the ones that we had arranged bailed at the last minute, like the ones that the ones that uh, Pez had actually vetted for us, and uh, we just called these guys because they were available. It was neat to have. It, I think it made it so that you could start the thing at six, because people didn't have to go get dinner and then come in. Yeah, I think we didn't make it there till seven. But then I never want to be late to anything for con, but I'm always in a house with at least five other people. Yeah, so it's. I just get to the point where, like, when when we're doing stuff, like, at con, it's always, it is almost always just me by myself in yeah. a car going somewhere. Like, whatever whatever girl is in the picture, I always just say, like, all right, well, I'm, this is, like, work, and I'm going to be going nuts, and you don't want, you don't want to be around for this. Uh, yeah, man, I, I get more and more stressed out as I get older by trying to wrangle groups of more than three people some some groups of four are okay right like groups of four people of similar temperament and you know similar like if if two of you if it's important to two of you to be places on time yeah then it's fine you can probably do it well unless like if it's important to you and your girlfriend to be places on time and it's not important to the other couple then that's gonna be rough but yeah god that just reminded me of uh being like three hours late to stuff in London because of the other couple. All right. And say, okay, we're ready to go. Oh, I should probably get in the shower and then uh, put on some makeup. Yeah, you really probably should do that this morning. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it went. Uh, barbecue time was super, super cool. I just kind of bounced around the tables. I'm trying to remember much about it. My mom came up early for yeah. uh, casino night, so that was nice. She didn't have to... She was all shiny, I saw. Yeah, she was. was She didn't have to have a super long day on Saturday. She was able to just get up with us and roll in. Roll in at, you know, the crack of 9.30. Right. Oh, uh, trivia. I did trivia. That was fun. Oh, yeah. Did you? Yeah, we came in maybe 6th or 7th, I think. When they they do that, is is there KOL trivia mixed into it, or is it just general? It's all general knowledge. Okay. He throws in some, like... Here's a KLL reference, and now here's a tangentially related question. Yeah, the same way he does with everything else. He's really good at that. Yeah, they did. They had everybody. This is Dan Bob. We're talking laughing. about who's really Dan good Bob. Dan Bob did. I do. I do think, and I think that the so big big ups to Cowman Bob for the uh, oh man the the, meat one, the one meet the, the uh, yeah the the culmination of that whole uh, one meet thing is Cowman Bob sending a gigantic cake. To con, like he just bought cake for everybody at con in the form of a giant meat-shaped cake. Yeah, it they, didn't even get finished. There yeah, was so much cake. And and th- this is a crowd that I don't know if you know this can eat a lot of fucking cake. 
right? Wasn't it a good... It seems like it was at least three feet long. Yeah, the actual... I, I, yeah, I'm guessing that it was eight square feet of cake. Hmm. Um, but yeah, oh man, that was... I, I didn't end up eating any of it. I got, <laughs> I got distracted to the point where I wasn't hungry anymore. Well, a cake like that is almost not for eating you know it's covered yeah it's like it was like all right i definitely appreciated it in its initial uh being brought in form you don't have the cake was the cake was good i mean it's it's that kind of thing where because it looks like something you don't most people don't want to eat the outside the frosting the fondant part of it the fondant is just barely edible it's i mean it's yeah it's not like it's bad it's just it's like just eating a bag of sugar yeah or a bag of dicks (laughs) right um Uh, sugar with veins on it yeah so that was that was fucking great Thank you, Catman Bob. That was Cowman a Bob. that was a pretty sweet, you rocked uh, it. pretty sweet gesture. Wish you could have made it. Found myself getting uh, a little bit choked up actually during. Uh, there was a pause in the trivia action, and uh, they put on Appa Gangnam style, and four or five people spontaneously ran up to the front and started doing the dance like perfectly choreographed, and then that led to you know maybe ten or fifteen people just dancing, bringing out the joy, and I think that's. Yep. That's we we helped that happen. Yeah. It's big, and then uh, big Warehouse Twenty Three did their Werebear presentation, and that was uh, that was a little sniffly. Had yeah. Something in my yeah, eye. Yeah. There. Yeah. I got. Uh, I was. You know. I got. I got a little choked up when you got to go up on stage with uh, MC Front a lot because I. I bet you enjoyed that a lot. I bet you enjoyed I that did. as much as I would have been horrified by it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't remember much of the barbecue because. We had talked about that the previous night, mm. drunkenly, and then that morning, sober, he said, yeah, just stick around for sound check and we'll do it. So that entire day was just like chain-smoking cigarettes and... Yeah, to get your voice ready. Yeah, and, and going over and over and over and over that, you know, 16 bars of music. But I, you know, God, that was so much fun. I guess you sing karaoke a lot, and so yeah. I just, uh, I, I always have this... The times when I have sung karaoke, like I can sing and I can hear mm. it and I can hear what note I'm singing and I can maybe adjust it to yeah. where it needs to be. But once a microphone, like if I'm in an, in, an, in an environment where it is too loud for me to hear my own voice clearly and I'm having to rely on like, do, do you just hear yourself really clear in the monitors when you're actually on on stage? Like they that, put enough it... of it in it so that you don't you don't get distracted by like the slight delay, but you can still hear that it shit's coming out of your mouth because mm-hmm. with all the racket that's going on around, I, I don't think I would have been able to hear myself. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it came out of the monitor fine. And I, once it became clear that I was going to actually pull it off, like started in the right place. Cause the, the verse that I had was 20 bars long and Damien needed it to be 16 to fit in the song. So mm-hmm. I had to cut four lines I said, if I manage to start at the right place instead of at the beginning where I've been like singing the song to myself for no reason for five years, right? then it'll be fine. So once I hit that, then I don't know. It's I have no idea what, where that voice came from and why it sounded like that. It didn't the, sound, the, ra- the rapping yeah, part? Yeah, the way mean? that my voice sounded was not how it sounded in rehearsal, just that like... Yeah, the style of it was just completely different, and all the dancing around and everything was just kind of pretty good. Needed some some chorus harmony. Yeah, there were some good uh, good vibes. There, 
I've only sung with a band once before, and just that much energy is almost impossible to not be just overjoyed with. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. I was, I was, I was stoked. It's ridiculous, uh, man. I, uh, I think my treasure mammal gamble <laughs> paid off. I knew that it would either be a thing that some people appreciated and some people really didn't get, right. or or some people just actively hated it. Uh, or it would be a thing that missed the mark so far that this would have ended up being the very last KOL con. <laughs> uh, and I, and I was glad, I think what that show requires there to be a critical mass of people into it that makes it okay for people who are on the fence, which is every right thinking person because right. it's fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, that, that makes it okay to participate. And then once you get a crowd of people actually participating in it, it is, ju- it is just kind of amazing. Um, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. It's like guys dancing in tights and a wizard with a shake weight. And, the, the you know, I mean, yeah. I would not exactly call him a musician, you know? They I knew mean, what they were doing around the did, instruments, though. Yeah, they they yeah. weren't just sloppy. Yeah, but I mean, you know, a lot of it was just pre-recorded, And a lot, you know, he would, he would not necessarily, he does not necessarily write or perform songs that are in his range, for right. instance. So he'll slip into some yelling every once in a while and maybe not get back to the right place. But it's just... I don't know, man. That that act has uh, that act has some energy. And I've was, already seen it posted. Uh, oh my god, Treasure Mammal was the best thing ever, and oh my god, Treasure Mammal was the worst thing ever. Yeah, so I think you hit it. <laughs> yeah, I think I did. You know, we we like to be nothing if not polarizing, uh, like these sweet sweet sunglasses. And polarizing like the debate between the proletariat and the, the <laughs> yeah. aristocracy. For so the, our party last night ended up being a rather quiet gathering. I think. For a minute after the show, it was going to be a party that was bigger than we wanted it to be, uh-huh. and then Garden of Earthly Delights started poaching, so that's probably for the best. But uh, yeah, the, so Jake and uh, MC Frontalot and a couple other people ended up arguing with uh, Jake in the position of the uh, the man. Yeah, I feel the man rules. <laughs> I tried to for a little bit. I was sitting there trying to mediate, like, well, you know, the reason no, why it doesn't. The, the I, Jake can I feel love. That way and, I love arguing with Frontal Lot. I mean, it was even really. Ar- it was arguing, but it was you know, it was just like, like a discussion. Intelligent. Yeah, I, I like I like having political debates with him because we could not be further apart, but we both come at it from a position of respect and. Right. You know, and and actually, like, I feel like if there's anybody who's going to change my mind about all this stupid shit that I believe, it's probably him (laughs) because he's not, you know, he's not trying to just be like, you know, oversimplifying, oversimplificatious about it. It's like making up words and shit. There should be a a word for oversimplificatious, though. Mm hmm reductive yeah that's just probably reductive is the word i was looking for uh yeah so that was good and i was there till five thirty, and then i forgot that i'd made a play date with uh uh no man i couldn't date. i could not believe that this actually happened i before i left the before i left the venue which was at like one i was like all right so jamelli cirrus you're coming over tomorrow 10 a.m to play eclipse uh, which they were they were really excited about wanting to play. Now it's a long and form game, right? It is, yeah. It's, it took us four hours to to learn and play. It was great, uh, mm-hmm. by the way. I will say that. Uh, and I, uh, man, I was I was winning the entire time. And at the very on the very last turn, Hot Stuff betrayed me and took away some territory from me that made it so he beat me by two points. We didn't did. know that that was actually going to happen. There was some randomness at the end that uh, <laughs> made it that close. But yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I woke up at 10 o'clock because that's when my girlfriend came home uh, and I was like, uh, fuck, I'm supposed to get up. I was like, are, are, are Jamelian Cirrus downstairs? And she said, yeah. And I was like, 
fuck, I I cannot (laughs) believe they actually showed up at the time we said we were going to do this. Ah, anyway. Uh, How was your day today? It was pretty chill. I haven't... The first night everybody was here, I got pretty shitty drunk, which I don't... I, I should probably keep some mystique so forget i said that you know uh the friday night party because it was such a a celebration of humanity and all of its beauty and flaws um led me to drink a whole lot of alcohol so uh i've been taking it easy ever since and and uh so today was just kind of bobbing about in the pool with the the skull pitcher did you see them when you were over there i didn't they uh like a 36 ounce pitcher shaped like a skull that floats in the pool, so you can just hold it by the handle and have it kind of bob around. And All right. You can grab it, and you can drink some delicious drinks out of it. I wouldn't say I drank too much at any point, really. Yeah, you seem to be of the just drinking enough. Yeah, a little constantly, bit. Constantly, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I only had, like, four drinks at casino night, hmm. slowly, over time. That was pretty good. I mean, I didn't want to. Yeah, I kept thinking, I'll finish the... I'll do the verse on stage and then I'll have a beer. But I didn't know when he was going to do it. Mm. So by the end of the, it was. Oh, were you totally sober night. for that? Yeah, I I was so terrified because he, there was no obligation for him to put me on his stage, and that was such a. I so didn't want to fuck up and disappoint him, yeah. which would not have happened. But I mean, he forgot the lyrics to his own song. I think that happens more often than more yeah. often than you think. That's why he, does, he said no words in a rap show. That's why he said he doesn't like to he doesn't like to play with just him and the laptop because the laptop is way less willing to like adjust to his fuck yeah. ups and play another few bars and just vamp a little bit. Hey, how about this uh, radio show thread that totally exists? As it turns out, ooh, there is a radio thread, a real one. Uh, Erich says Monster Manual is very worth my ten dollars. Thank you. A few quick questions on that. Oh yeah, you haven't, we haven't done a show since that rolled out not? with oh. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Because didn't we sk- did we skip yeah, actually, last week yeah. or did it roll out? This week always takes a year. <laughs> yeah, it was. I guess we did roll this out like the Tuesday. Yeah. After, like less than a week. Yeah, ago. I know. I haven't talked about about it with you. Uh, he's got questions. One, phylum or element for exhaustive research would be amazing, along with respective combat macro predicates. Can you consider that, please? Yeah, I am. Um, I need to figure out a way to uh, express that in the actual readout of the manual without it getting cluttered but mm-hmm. that's it that is a very good idea uh two scary pirates cursed from pieces of 13 aren't limited content or were they not included by accident or on purpose i believe that was an accident also you always lose to the whole kingdom and cyrus the virus but can an exception be made for research for them i bet there's factoids written for them um maybe i think i tried to do one for everything even when it seemed like it wasn't something you would get But towards the end of it, just trying to get it done, like, this is not a thing. I think there were a couple of of blanks in the Seuss stuff, in the Kloop stuff. Mm. That was just either you or if only had one and then I didn't see it. Oh, yeah. That, I tried really hard not to do that, uh, but I'm, I'm sure that I did a couple of times. So people bounced me a couple. And okay. I think I posted in the forum something yeah. in triplets about how we'll do that after con. It's pretty obvious and pretty harmless uh, if we mess that up. so yeah. If you put the factoids in there, will they just appear in that readout? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because you do know them. You just know the blank one and then it pulls it out again. 
Ah, man, I got a frog in my throat. Uh, three, future one-time only bosses like Lord Flameface, like Flameface, Big Candy, and Lisa Lampanelli. Did we say that Lisa Lampanelli was going to be the boss of some limited time? <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, will they uh, be automatically exhaustive, uh, excluded from research, or will we have permanent casual research on our records? Uh, we'll figure that out. Um, I would lean towards not having them be researchable. Yeah. Especially just thinking it's a one-time thing, so maybe Monster Manuel had never seen it while he was alive. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's the story. It's about the story. Why does he know about all of the stuff in the seaside megalopolis, then? Uh, Because he's a wizard. Oh, because he had, in the past, gone forward into the future at the exact same point. That's still uh, my favorite little completely missing the point when you said we'll have this thing where you're remembering your ancestors and I went sweet I can do a whole sci-fi thing in the future and wrote it and then went oh that makes zero sense with what we came up with as a framework for this (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean Riff did his whole thing and I was like, all right, so how does this tie into the virus? And he said, what virus? Oh. I was like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Nobody reads your design docs. They don't. Um, yeah. Hi, Jick, says Groly. I recently came back from curly days, and I was pretty rusty. So I had a very messy Ascension starts, which made me lose interest quickly. The first time I slugged through the Ascension without much enjoyment, and this time I'm just waiting for the 11 days to pass before I can start over. So why, again, do we have to wait so long before resetting? It's not like it would give much of an advantage to crazy speedsters or farmers. They can already do this via dropping to casual. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it might not need to be at 11. That was just a place that we definitely knew was safe. Right. Uh, also, Scully, I'd love some flavor around this instead of a box to check in the options. Suicide booth, anyone? Yeah, that's what we were we were talking about it that way, but then we'd have to put, like, trigger warning. Yeah, or kids, don't kill, don't kill yourself. Yeah, don't actually do booth. this. I, I think we briefly discussed trying to narratively justify it, and then it ended up, like, just one of those things where we didn't come up with anything, so we just left in whatever C.D. Moyer called it. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> I think we were trying to figure if we wanted it to be a gameplay element or a metagame element. Yeah, and I think it is. I think it's pretty, pretty firmly. Uh, it's pretty comfortable in the in the metagame territory. Turing says, "Absolutely love Monster Manuel. Thank you so much." Would it be possible to add an option to filter out creatures that have been fully researched so we can easily find which creatures we should focus on next? Yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Uh, in addition to that, says Lord Coble, uh, when we fight a monster, can we see if we've casually, thoroughly, or exhaustively researched it? Uh, that's weird. So if if I figure out a clever way to put the phylum and the element of the monster in there, and it reveals those on the second and third research which i mean what's weird is that the phylum you can almost always just guess right right? so that's more a way for people to be able to see when we fuck it up yeah um when it starts telling you those things you'll know what level it's at um if i can if i can figure it out i don't want it to take up my because it's like sort of like perfect that the the three icons add up to just about the height of the monster and i like that yeah um and there, I guess they're not. There is some space because it depends on how big your window is. I guess in the in the actual readout in the quest log, um, it is mo- it is usually in my experience the the text that determines the size of the entry uh-huh. um, because they're they're pretty tall. Um, 
so we got some extra space there. Uh, Aeroquin says, another I love the men well. Uh, it is awesome comment to start with. When zombies came out, I was absolutely loving the exhaustive writing with uh, everything being updated and was enjoying being able to see so many new jokes since, after all, it was the humor of the game that made me start, not the mechanics. And now this comes out and kapow, right in the funny bone. Um... So, of course, a Manuel question. As you will see, this entire thing might be moot. So if it's dumb and not applicable, I'm fully admitting to that now. I will stand guilty of the crime of wasting a minute of your life. An extra few seconds by that needless parenthetical. Uh, since it seems that later pieces of data aren't guaranteed on normal monsters, do bosses or special monsters have this as a thing? Uh, but they do not. Bosses uh, are supposed to be, at least in the spec, what we decided to do with these is that bosses, you always got it on your second and third fights against them because we anticipated people saying I don't want to have to kill a billion of these things right uh, like a, a billion Vanya's and, Vanya's yeah. creatures or whatever right. right and just that's further driving up the price of those I'm curious what's going to happen with that hmm. you know I think that the the concern is not particularly well founded yet right this has not caused a huge spike in the price of those and there is nothing that you can't get within fairly reasonable grasp uh, at this point, but uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, the boss thing—the boss thing should be taken care of. And if it's not, if it turns out that it's not, if anybody like kills the boss bat a second time and doesn't get the factoid, then tell me that so we'll know that we fucked it up. But I'm almost sure that it works that way. I don't remember. I think this was a thing that we talked about just in the phone meetings and never really necessarily discussed with devs, so they might not have known to test it. Uh, it's been pretty gratifying to see that people are up for the task of just collecting as many factoids as they can. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. I was hoping that that was what people would do, but I wasn't sure that they, they'd get into it. Like I said, I was I was nervous because once, once you strip the content away from this, it, it really was sort of just selling an interface element. And I was weirded out by that. But then I thought, well, wait a minute. <laughs> like you can't strip away the content from the things that we do because it it's i you know it's like half and half i think like some people would buy an item of the month that was just optimal ascension familiar right you know that just had text that was just the numbers and some people would think that that was horrible some people would buy something that was just a bunch of jokes and and then some people would just be like, "Nah, that's there's no reason for me to get that, right? Like that's yeah. that's not what I'm that's not what I'm want." Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess the the actual affecting, I, I mean, and because this is per, a permanent fixture, right? Like, it's not like you have to give us ten bucks for this, right? You could also just give us ten million meat for it. You give somebody ten million right. meat for it later, at any point. You know, it's not they're not going to get expensive. Um. Yeah, but nobody seems to be complaining about that aspect of it, which makes me happy. Cause we I was had just one devster, I thought, that took issue with that. Yeah, but I mean, you know, those people represent a certain set of the population that oh, will sure. that will yeah. get upset about stuff, right? And it wasn't like a big deal, you know. It was just yeah. like, uh, this is this seems weird. It seems weird to sell. And I mean, that's the thing. Like the part of me that was concerned about it was the that guy talking in my head saying, right. uh, okay, this is just selling an interface element for ten dollars. That is not a thing we've done, and it might not be like the kind of thing that we do. But then I'm like, well, okay, if it's also 
thousands of jokes, then that's like a thing we do. Yeah, I think we justified it with the man hours put into that. Yeah. Almost almost entirely by you. I, I divided all the monsters up into Two-thirds. three groups, and then uh, Scully did his, and Riff did his, and then Scully did mine. <laughs> that's pretty much how that <laughs> went down. Um, I joked that I was going to divide my third into three-thirds again and assign one of them to each of us so that we could just keep having a Zeno's paradox. But then I realized the Zeno didn't work for us anymore, so right. he couldn't. Then you decided to have a Zeno's paradox. Mm-hmm. And marry Katie Holmes. Yeah, I don't know anything about I I can't even make a joke about... About yeah. Scientology? Yeah. Man, I'm tired. <laughs> um, you can tell your voice is uh, just shifting into that. You know, it is, yeah. I'm it's getting, a late-night radio. It is late-night radio. Uh, the Pet Shop Boys. Costanza Foss says, The Tiki God of Fruity Tropical Beverages. Why doesn't his name go into the quest log? Man, I don't know. I don't remember that. Is it because it isn't randomized or because he isn't technically a demon? How do you pronounce that name? With a drunken slur? Oh, oh, the... Yeah, right. The uh, island one. The one that's spelled out. Oh, by yeah, yeah. Exegoth or whatever. Something, yeah. I mean, it was meant to be something that was... Hard to identify. That's text, yeah. Um... Mythcaptor says, not a feature request, just a gameplay mechanic that I'd like to hear your opinions on. Player-created content. Uh, players get their own scriptable region with imported graphics, writing, adventures, non-combat trees, etc. Unlikely to happen because of a myriad of issues it creates, but still interested in hearing your views on it. Uh, you know, it's great in some contexts. I would be interested to see what happened to a game that was only that. Uh-huh. Um, you know, in some, in some way of vetting the good stuff. But it's like, it becomes a system that is defined by its abuse rather than its use, and I don't mm. like systems like that. I mean, you'd be you'd have more luck just offering your engine as a something that people can build on and do their own thing with. Yeah, you know, like what uh, Fallen London dudes are doing with their yeah their toy. I haven't gotten to poke with that yet. And I'd yeah. like to. Oh yeah, I haven't. I need to. I need to answer that interview questions too. Did you Did you reply to them I yet? Haven't. Or okay, all right. Well, then I don't feel so bad. I mean that you know. That's why I didn't. I didn't yeah. want you to feel bad. We've been uh, we've been busy, but yeah, this this coming week will be probably half decompression, half work. Uh, uh, well, what was I in the middle of? Oh, so the the advantage of an engine is that somebody who is going to do good work in a context like that is probably also going to be willing to go a little further than just typing some stuff into some stuff in an already existing thing, you know? Yeah. And so it, in a way, like you self-select, you, you select for people who are going to make good game levels by they are going to get jobs making game levels like that. And, and it, that's not to say that there's not some amazing stuff that's made by users of like little big planet or whatever, but there are also just a tremendous number of like shitty reproductions of super Mario brothers world one, one right. and stuff like that. And, and it just, you know, and then some really amazing ones that are still just like, ugh, you know, and yeah, I appreciate like that made me think of rage comics for some reason that, being able to tell a story in pictures is something that I can't do because I'm not an artist. Even though the Rage comic faces are super um, crude, and, you can't just make another one. Yeah, right. I mean, it's they're a particular set of things. Yeah, but it was just the 
having no skill at drawing doesn't stop you from making one and that makes it a cool storytelling medium mm-hmm. and I've seen like a guy told his entire life story as a 75 year old World War II veteran in this thing that was you know maybe six feet tall and just panel after panel of details from his life and managed to make something kind of compelling and moving out of the hmm. ridiculous faces and the, was it moving yeah. because it was an animated GIF no, but it was compelling because it was an animated GIF. Okay, good. Uh, Time says, Monster Manuel is just awesome. I can't believe how much work went into this. How long did all this content take to develop? It seems like it was a ton of work. Uh, did you guys make this in response to all the chatter on the forums about a bestiary, or was it something you had in mind before and it was just serendipity? I mean, I liked the idea of a bestiary and had sort of always said that. Yeah. But I think it was just like... I got to... when I spent a lot of time in... San Francisco, and I think this is probably just because GDC always gets me in this kind of mood. Uh, just thinking about like, ah, man, what can we do to just make this better, right? Like, right. there's so much stuff that is there because it is there, and because that's the way that it was ten years ago. And I know that it's bad, and I, there should be a clever way to fix it, right? You know, and and just like you know that that whole that period of time is where the no misses thing was born out of, and. Um, and so just thinking about like, all right, yeah, well, I mean, what if we just, what if we just showed people the monster stats? Well, what if that was actually a content vector right. and it was that bestiary thing that we've been talking about? And what if we put a bunch of work into it and then sold it instead of putting it at the bottom of some random clan dungeon or whatever? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was great. I think that deciding to put it in Mr. Store is what made it happen because it's really easy to, to deprioritize stuff that we're going to make money on. Yeah. For some reason. To to what to deprioritize? Uh, well, to deprioritize something that we're that we're not going to make money on. We have so much other stuff to do. Yeah. So we could just put it at the bottom of the list under, you know, next clan dungeon, next this, next time. Right. But if this is like a But if it was let we got to we want to get this in the store. Like we want to let's we want to put this in Mr. Store because that takes some of the pressure off to do like a crazy successful item of the month yeah. or whatever, right? And and yeah, it's cool. Um I don't know how much time it was easier to justify it. Yeah. But justify spending the time on it instead of one of the other things that we should sure. be doing. So, I mean, you did, you did two thirds. I mean, I probably wrote a dozen. I wrote factoids for like a dozen monsters, probably right. all told. There were, there were how many? There were like 900. Yeah. I think we all ended up, we started with 276 or so a piece. Okay. Many of which we didn't have to write them for because they were like ultra rare monsters or things that weren't in the game anymore and predated uh, Spooky Putty. Right. Or did not predate Spooky Putty, but just nobody had. Um, although, I don't think I actually consulted that list. I, yeah, uh, I didn't know which ones those were, so I just put... Yeah. I think I put them on the Ultra Rares. There's a there's a report... Yeah, you did, and then we took them all off after we were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, and... Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry. I think they got taken off without fucking copying and pasting them into another document. Whenever I whenever I destroy any of your writing, I paste it into a text file and save it. <laughs> uh, and I didn't I didn't tell that stuff to do that. So I think some of your jokes got deleted. Even to just have him, wow, I better study this really closely and grab all three. Yeah, but I mean, you just can't get that. I mean, people play for years and years and years and never see one you know it's like and you just can't there's nothing you can do to make it any more likely except you know 
it can be exactly as likely as it is for people who play every day if you play every right. day um yeah so 900 you wrote you wrote factoids for let's say 575 monsters um probably 550 525 yeah. anyway how long how long would you say that that took you there were it was spread out it was spread out over yeah. A few months, right? I mean, this was like... Once the deadline was the 15th, I mean, because this is how things go, I would sit in front of my computer for a couple, three hours and do 15 of them while, you know, Facebook page yeah. and, and everything else that happens to... That I will insist that I need to be in my creative space. You know, I just have to look away from this for a second. Yeah. Because I've got to, you know, what I'm doing is creative work here, but... When the deadline was the 15th, then I had, like, five days where I just did, like, 30 of them in an hour. Right. Or in the last couple of days, I think I did 100 a day. It's so frustrating to try to figure out how long anything is going to take mm-hmm. to do. You know, with with art, and this is, why I don't, this is why I don't consider the artwork for KOL to be creative work, is because it's, it, it is predictable. It takes a predictable amount of time. It is always just a list of things. You know, I don't sit down and create new things by drawing them. And if I did, we would never have anything new because that's, I just don't think about it that way. You don't sit and go, what am I going to draw today? Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's weird though. Because that that takes a fixed amount of time. But but writing stuff, I mean, it's our, for me at least, I feel like my rate of output, and even on like writing code, Mm -hmm. is... It, it differs by an order of magnitude from hour to hour. Yeah, and it's super weird. And a lot of it, a lot of it is is motivation, and but but some of it is just insight. I mean, this Radlibs thing, I was, I got to the point where I was like, uh, all right, fuck, this needs something else. Like this needs the trick generator, the snowboard mm-hmm. trick generator, and I don't know what it is yet. So I just, I think that I have to just go home. And go to bed and hope to fuck that tomorrow morning I know what this thing is. And I did, and that worked. And I, but I just, I always feel, I always feel so nervous about courting that, you know? Yeah. Um, which is the dangerous thing about like working under crazy serious deadlines. Yeah. To just go, yeah, I'm just going to assume that something's going to pop into my head and it'll be fine. I always feel like there, there's going to be a day where I go, let me just grab where the words are and the words aren't in there. Yeah. But that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. You know, I think that that might be a, I think that that might be a universal insecurity among, among people is just that fear that the well is going to run dry. Yeah. And you know, you watch people have it happen to them. Right. Right. And, and it's just like, from the, when's that going to happen to me? But it comes from the myth that there is a well, right? It's so easy to see this, like when I get in the zone and write, like when I wrote the synopsis for the comic books, looking at that now, it, I almost don't remember writing it. Yeah. It just seemed like it came you were from just somewhere else. So, you were so, so fucked, fucked up on heroin. Stone. But it didn't. You know, there's not a well. I, yeah. There's no magic feather that makes you fly. I'm sorry, that was actually you flying the whole time. The feather was total bullshit. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and the, that, the plane helped. Okay. And that, that stuff you gave me that let me teleport into that alternate world was actually just Mad Dog 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, what do you think it is? Like, what's your, what is your, uh, what is your metaphor for it? If it's not a well that you go to, you know? I don't know. I think it's just a will. Yeah. 
and then you get and since your moods are part of how you produce stuff if you have something wrong with you 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 like a problem with depression or shitty things happening to you or not enough shitty things happening to you to give you ideas to write about right like when those circumstances change then yeah it can be a lot harder to get and it's also a weird i mean it's it is very difficult to justify this to people and and this is why People think, oh, you're you're a writer, huh? Oh, you you make video games for a living. That must be just like your job is just fucking fun all the time, and you get to play video games, and that counts as work somehow. But like, it kind of does. Right. You have to you have to read books, which the fact that you enjoy it does not mean that you're doing it for pleasure and not for edification, right? You're doing right. it for pleasure and edification. You have to watch movies. You have to watch television shows. You have to, you know. I don't know. I like I feel like my ability to think critically about games is served very much by listening to gaming podcasts that are that I love. I look forward to it. Yeah. But it is like th- this is an a game important that you thing. enjoy. You yeah. can't you can't turn off your developer's eye and go, "Oh, you're still thinking this is something that they did that is cool like behind the scenes that yeah. makes the player experience this." Yeah. I mean, I certainly, like, you know, I mean, something like a World of Warcraft. Like, I I could learn as much from World of Warcraft by playing, by reading about it, I think, at this mm. point, than by, than by, like, you know, next week when the new expansion comes out, I'm probably going to play a shitload of World of Warcraft for right. a week because I like it, you know, and, I, and whatever. Like, it's, you're not, like, immune to that endorphin loop that yeah. is just like, oh, I'm just going to waste some time doing this thing because it is fun in the moment. Child says, chilled, chilled. I think, uh, I think after we recorded the bit with Graydon a while ago, he was uh, headed over to Child's house to demo Mr. Card Game. Uh, okay, I'm back in Arizona for another year, and seriously, how the fuck do you people not melt in this climate? I feel like it got really, it got worse for Khan. It had not yeah. been, it had not been that bad, but it just, it, yesterday and the day before, it just had that sort of like a little bit of cloud cover that just was like, you're in a microwave all day. It was weird that the pool was colder last night than it was the night before. Hmm. Maybe that was because uh, not last night, but the night before, Tommy Knockers came knocking at my door and sure. they had dumped, heaters dumped, in the pool. dumped a bunch of ice cubes in the pool. Uh, I mean, I guess with fewer people in the pool, mm. it'd be cooler by some amount that you could probably measure. I mean, how you survive in the heat is you survive just fine. You just don't like yeah, it. Yeah, you go, but also you, you're. I know you're like you just never leave your house ever. You're mostly inside. Yeah, that's the. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I have to go outside. I have to go outside to smoke cigars, so that is a thing. Uh, also, preemptive thank you for a sweet con. It will have been totally sweet. Well, I hope that's uh, I hope that's true. Mm, yeah. Uh, WVO Coin says, did you guys anticipate any dust kicked up over the Manuel being offered as a new permanent Mr. Store item? Was it always conceived of as a donation item, or did it morph into one? I guess we did that. Um you mentioned that ultra just don't have factoids, but do they have entries? No, uh, it, they're they're one and the same. So you can't anything that you can't get factoids on, you also can't get stats on. Oh, and uh, I want to apologize. I really apologize. I guess sort of apologize. I know that there are certain uh, scaling monsters that don't use the brave new standardized scaling mechanism that are probably showing up with zeros in there, and I will get to those as I think of it. Um, and probably just make those things. Everything that's hard coded to scale, I'll just make them make them scale properly. Unless I already did that. That sounds like a kind of thing that I might have done. Um, 
WVO coin also says, would you guys ever consider hosting the wiki on your own servers? There have been problems with malicious code in the ads on the site before, and now it's been delisted by Google for some reason. I think they fixed that. Um, at least that forum thread seemed to indicate that it had come back. I mean, if they told us that they weren't going to be able to continue to host it, I'm sure that... Well, would we would we then support them, or would we we would move them? we would take it over? I think. Yeah. I mean, and and I you know I've talked to them, and it's that there are contingency plans in place. Um, so it's not it's not it wouldn't be that big of a deal. I mean, the, the trouble is I don't want to just say like give us the wiki because I think that they make some tiny amount of money off of it. I do wish that I do wish that there weren't fucking ads every you know I wish that that wasn't how the internet worked I wish that wasn't the only way to get money from a thing that was popular and didn't have the sort of framework that KOL has that makes it so that we can you know just complain about ads and never never have to never have to actually use them to put food on the table um yeah it's, it's fucking like the only times that I've ever gotten malware on computers, I mean, the only times in the last couple of years, I'm just certain that it is because I don't like using ad blockers. Because ad blockers, like, cause a bunch of fucked up problems that I guess are not as bad as malware. Sure. But it's just, it sucks that, like, not only is that the only way for those people to make any money, but they're just sort of fucked by the... Ugh, man. So awful. The idea of a fucking banner ad with some malware in it is just yeah. a, god damn it. Like But you've talked to me out of ad blocker. I was using it for a little while. Oh yeah. And you made me feel guilty about it, so I took well, it off. Well good. Good. Now if I could just work my magic about the duty free. <laughs> I prefer my entire life to be duty free. Uh-huh. Uh talk about systems that are defined by their abuse and not their use. Jeez. Um, so let's see if there's anything crazy. Looking down. Uh, the dog delusion says on the last JNS show, Jick mentioned that for a few years he had a hard on for combat items or something similar. Out of curiosity, what are some of you guys' favorite combat items? Also, on the topic of combat items, there are a lot of combat items. Have you thought about or discussed possible systems to organize this, make it easier to know what stuff does or something similar? I definitely know what a particular handful of them do, but once in a while I'll see something on the list or in my inventory and I'm like, what the hell is this? And I have to wiki it or ask in chat. Thoughts? I could see adding blue text to those. Yeah. That wouldn't be that hard. A lot of them are not super easy to describe, I guess. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I you know the rain the rainbow ones are cool. Uh, I'm trying to think. I like the couple of soldiers that we did for Crimbo content. Yeah, you have the mercenary that takes your meat and does damage, and then the cyborg that takes hit points and deals them with damage. Yeah. Um I like some of the weird things in the um slime tube. The like toys that are combat items that you get in the slime tube. I don't remember mm. much about them, but I remember that them doing something. They're all like yo-yos and just... frisbees and hula hoops for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why I decided that the stuff in there was just all 50s. Yeah. Did it did they the slime invade during during the, that the yeah i mean maybe you're like yeah maybe you're digging you're digging through the strata and that's where i'm still not sure where the whole convention thing comes in the what oh that's not is that not part of the slime tube i've never no the slime the slime convention is a different that's part of the nemesis quest for sorcerers i've only ever seen that in the 
in the spindlers. Oh, okay. It's like in in our tools, I don't think I've ever encountered. I've never been down the, the slime tube. Mm. Um, you know what they say about guys who've never been down the slime tube. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, so Orbrissa says some of the avatars look a little weird on the PvP hills. Uh, even the default ones. Sometimes you have the bottom few pixels cut off, making their legs look weird and short. But if your avatar is at the bottom, uh, you can barely see it. Yeah. Um, any chance that this the bottoms of avatars not being displayed when somebody is on the PvP hills could be fixed somehow? Though I have no idea how. Uh, letting people choose their own offsets for the hill would probably be kind of insane. Yeah, I don't. Uh, it affects some people who had custom avatars before the hills, as well as people who are looking to design one now. You know, I knew that there were going to be some problems with that, and I decided that it was cool enough to do it anyway. Same thing uh-huh. with the swimming pool, right? Like, some stuff looks really stupid in the swimming pool, some people's custom avatars, and the only thing that I can say is, like, well, sorry, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, isn't it Don't... cool that it's your avatar in there, though? Yeah, it's pretty cool that it's your avatar Come in there. Come on, buddy. Yeah. Um... I mean, the only way to really get around that is just to not allow avatars that are different shapes. Yeah. So for the if they're just on top of the hill, can then is it better for them to just hover a little bit than um, to lose the bottom of it? I don't remember how it works. I mean, the, the, we can't go through and make the hill, or we can't go through and make all the avatars have the white part be transparent. So, I mean, I think they're sort of like standing behind it a little. Uh, right, and so we did it in such a way that it that it covered the feet of the all of the like normal kinds of avatars. Um, so that, but then if something you know if your avatar is just a puddle in the bottom ten pixels right. of the thing, then a it serves you right for having that look weird in places because what are you doing? Um, B Smith says, why are there no semi rares in any of the areas you open up during the quest for level eleven and twelve? The highest level semi rare, excluding aftercore areas like Hobopolis, is in the castle in the sky during level ten. I miss seeing semi rares pop up while I'm adventuring in the late stage of an ascension. Uh, yeah, I mean that's because we added semi rares before NS thirteen, hmm. so we just didn't. I mean, that also a lot of that later stuff doesn't have clover adventures and stuff. You know, there's just hmm. things that we forget that. You know, it got harder to, it got harder to come up with semi rares. As time went by, um, right? Because we did just did like, oh, you know, it turns out there are not that many kinds of consumables in this game, yeah. you know, and uh, you know, did I guess we could probably look at it now and see if there's some gaps we could fill in, like if there's a, you know, there's not a whatever, there's not a c- cute resistance. Uh, let's uh, let's go back downstairs and d- drink. 100 gallons of water or something and uh, like be, done, be done being on the radio. Uh, All right, thanks for tuning in tomorrow. Bye, everybody. I mean, today now. <laughs>